0: This podcast is being brought to you by The Jones Group. The Jones Group is a full-service government relations and strategic communications firm specializing in political, corporate, and nonprofit consulting at the local, state, and federal levels. Their commitment to every client is twofold, providing trusted service and desired results. The Jones Group has built a national reputation that stands for Integrity, Efficacy, Service, and Results. You can find them on the web at www.jonesgroupllc.com.
1: Jeremiah Castile, born to Joseph and Mary Castile in Columbus, Georgia, is the eighth of nine children. Growing up with older siblings gave Jeremiah the opportunity to learn from their mistakes and gave him the ability to to recognize how to make the right decisions with his life at a very early age. Jeremiah also credits his good decision-making with his choice to attend a Catholic school for his early education. In the second grade, Jeremiah told his teacher, Sister Veronica, that his dream was to be a professional football player. Even at an early age, Jeremiah knew focusing on that dream helped him to to continue to make the right decisions about his life so that dream could become a reality. By the time Jeremiah was in high school, he had made the most important decision of his life to put his trust in Jesus as his savior. In 1979, Jeremiah received a football scholarship to the University of Alabama. God used the mentorship of coach Bryant to help him grow from being an 18-year-old boy into a 20, 22-year-old young man. Coach Bryant, who instilled courage, discipline, vision, Leadership, character, class, and humility in midst of success tremendously impacted his life. In the 1983 NFL Draft, Jeremiah was drafted by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the dream he had shared with Sister Veronica had come true. Jeremiah's first year in the NFL allowed him to go back to the University of Alabama and finish his undergraduate degree in broadcast communications. 1983 proved to be a great year for Jeremiah. His dream of being a professional football player had come true, and even better, he married his high school sweetheart, Lori Jean Flakes. They soon began... Growing their family, and today are the proud parents of three boys and three girls. Timothy, Simeon, Leah, Rachel, Caleb, and Danielle, and they have five grandchildren. All six of the Castile children, you now have ten grandchildren. There needs to be some updating. Ooh, I know you happy. <laughs> All six of the Castile children have followed in their father's footsteps and have attended the University of Alabama. Jeremiah says that when he looks back on his life, he can see how God prepared him for the ministry work he does today. He knows that God used his mother and Coach Bryant to influence his life, to help his fellow man. Both his mother and Coach Bryant taught him about giving to others. Jeremiah ministered to the players during his four years at Tampa Bay and two years at the Denver Broncos. He always saw football as a means to witness to his teammates. While Jeremiah loved football, he loved God more. And after six years in the NFL, Gall called him out of the game. Because of his love for God, Jeremiah was able to walk away with something he loved and dreamed of since the second grade with no regrets. In 1995, Jeremiah moved to Birmingham to coach and teach at Briarwood Christian High School. The experience God gave him coaching and teaching helped prepare him for his ongoing ministry. In 1999, Jeremiah was ordained as a minister at the Church of Brook at Brook Hills, and he and Jean founded Jeremiah Castile Foundation, with Isaiah 61:1 through 4 as the foundational scripture. In 2001, Jeremiah became the chaplain for the University of Alabama football team and continues to serve in that capacity today. Jeremiah feels privileged and honored to serve the team and coaches at his alma mater and where the dreams of a second grader came to fruition. I love that. Jeremiah Castile, tell me a joke.
0: I think I got one now. You you think um, you got yes, one. Yes. <laughs> uh this is a joke uh, This joke Iva is uh the $1 bill and the $100 bill were in conversation. You may have heard it before. I don't know. It says so the uh $1 bill asked the $100 bill said, "Man, where you been?" He said, "Man, I've been all over the world. I've been to Africa, I've been to Europe, France, Germany, I've been to Russia, China." And so the $1 bill said, "Man, you are well traveled." And uh $100 bill, looked at the $1 bill and said, well, where you been lately? He says, man, i just been to church.
1: <laughs> That's bad. <laughs> That's bad. Um, why did the football coach go to the bank? I don't know. To get his quarterback. <laughs> That's one of my favorite jokes. Okay. I got another one. All right. Which two football teams played in the Pirate Super Bowl? The Pirate Super Bowl. Buccaneers. Yeah. And the and the Seahawks. Seahawks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I knew you were probably getting the Buccaneers. Exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah that team drafted me.
1: Um let's see where am I going to start? Let I, I'm going to start here. Um Going to the university um, introduced me to some of my greatest friends and my longest relationships. And more importantly, and funny enough, it allowed me, in walking on and meeting these crimson titers, it allowed me to develop relationships real lasting friendships with some of my heroes and you sir are one of my heroes i'm not trying to age you but since <laughs> i was <laughs> since i was in grade school high school well grade school and to see Someone that looked like me and i don't I don't mean Isaac Newsome big tall black dude. Yeah. I'm talking about a little guy yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm serious mm-hmm. a little guy with my complexion was the all star at the University of Alabama, and you fast forward. I told you I was going to show you a picture. I, I'm, did you see the promotional flyer I put out?
0: No, no, I didn't see it.
1: Well, when my one of my old closest friends, Clyde Gould, we were doing that Tide for Clyde event, and you sent a lot of paraphernalia so that we could sell it to raise funds and there's a picture of me holding up and auctioning off your jersey that was taken and it's one of my favorite pictures number 19 number 19 which is the number I wore as a walk on <laughs> small small world um i think the greatest part of your Story, in my opinion, from my perspective. And one of the things that I have admired about, we were talking about our current team and their character and J- Jalen Milrow, I wish I had taken Christ to school with me. I, I often wonder what different path If I had done that. But. God got me back now. That's all that's (laughs) important. Because. Raise up a child. So that. How does the scripture go? Raise up a child. In the way they should go. And when
0: they are mature or
1: old. They'll come back to it. And so. With all of that being said, I want to know, how were you raised? What, what did your parents instill in you? How, what was your upbringing that allowed you to be so focused, not only in your childhood dreams, but in your walk with Christ?
0: Iva uh, I my my son and I we were doing a podcast a few months ago and we called it the uh, uh the the beginning. Man. And so he said, "Dad, if you had to sum up about the Castilles, what is one word that would describe your parents?" Which he knew my his my mother helped raise him. So his grandmother, he knew my father had passed on. And I said, one word would be strong. My father was strong. Mm. My mother was strong. I said, you come from strong people. Mm. Now, if you look at me physically, you, <laughs> you, <laughs> you, you don't have no muscles on you, like. <laughs> but I would start in internal strength, mental strength, and so I was born. That's in my DNA. Mm. And my mom was a very strong lady. My dad was super, super strong. I, I, hadn't, met a, I hadn't met a man until I met Coach Bryant that had the strength my father had. Mm. My father had nine children. He worked three jobs. He never owned a vehicle. He walked to work. And at 10, 11, 12, 13 years of age, the night job, I would go with him. We'd work all night. And where
1: the, were you in the nine eighth?
0: Eighth. You were eighth. Okay. Yes. Okay. So I have siblings that were often uh, <coughs> adults at that time. They were doing, uh, they, you know, they had their own lives. So coming along, it was just kind of really my younger brother and I, his name is Antonio. So my father took me to work with him and he, that's all that he just worked. He had a fourth grade education. He was a laborer. And mm-hmm. so he, he never had driver's license. he, he walked to work. He And so I just learned at a very early age how to work. And my father had this – the his personality, I tell you something one time, and you do it. <laughs> right. And that's the way I was raised. You're giving instructions one time, you do it. So when I got to Alabama, I was used to taking instructions. Right. <laughs> Coach Bryant laid them out. Hey, I was – that's how I was uh, groomed. And right. And so my father was a World War II vet. Okay. And uh, he fought, fought in Okinawa, okay. and uh, so he, he just had this uh, strength about him to survive all of that, come back to the South. He's from Louisiana, and uh, you're married to a lady, and y'all have nine children, and, you've, and so he was committed to taking care of us. So that meant he had to have multiple jobs to make enough money for that to happen. Yeah, And then my mother was uh, married. She had, I, I feel like her strength was that uh, she was a big giver to people. She, everybody in the community, she was concerned about. Mm. So we I was taught, uh, you go and you do something for someone, you do not expect anything in return. So my mom fixed meals, you take them to people. Uh, we can't take it. Well, we did chores for people. Whatever it was, you had to go and do
1: and give and not uh, look for anything back from them. How did you get your name, Jeremiah? On my it's such a oh, strong. Yeah, on my father's
0: side, uh, he was uh, Catholic. Okay. Uh, that family, he was one of ten, and uh, all of the all of the males had biblical names: Joseph, Matthew, Jeremiah, and John. It was four boys. Okay. And so somewhere in there with his parents, they decided all of their boys were gonna have biblical names. And so my uncle Jeremiah is who I'm named after.
1: Okay. And here again, you know, since my childhood, that such a strong name. You know, you you I made Jeremiah Castile. I had never heard of such a (laughs) such a name in my life. Um What happened between Sister Veronica and Coach Bryant showing up? Meaning, you know, did you go to church a lot? Did you play, you know, school, football? What else was going on? I want to know, like, about the little boy that turned into a young man that Coach Bryant had to come get. Well,
0: I would say God gave me a vision mm-hmm. at a very well. I said, Sister Veronica, at second grade. That was a little Catholic school in Phoenix City called Mother Mary Mission. My father was Catholic, and so he, we were. Our early education was in that school. So when I when I shared that with her, that vision, I just feel like God. Uh, went, went, he said, "Okay, this is the vision. I've really given it to you now. I'm going to help you manifest it." And once I got into my early teenage years, there was a little church down the street from my house called Pleasant Grove Baptist Church. I had gotten in trouble this summer prior. My seventh grade year, I I got in a fight. I got suspended from school. Like a week left in school, I got in a fight. I was very feisty. Uh, You mess with me. I'm not talking. We ain't trying to sell or nothing. I'm gonna sell it all right. <laughs> I'm fixing to get on you. Yeah. That, that's the way I I, I was i I was wired. And yeah. actually it came out in football. So I had a way in football to uh carry out. That out yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah man. That's yeah. Why I loved it. Oh man. Eat, sleep, drink. Anyway, so I got in a fight. I got suspended. I had to take the note home to my mom. And um She had to sign it, so she's looking at it. She had to sign it, and she she says something that God used to prompt my heart, and it was, she says, son, I'm so disappointed in you. And, man, that just was, I feel like a dagger in my heart. I'm like, oh, man, I've disappointed my mom. And from that, I get that I believe God placed in all of us a desire to please our parents. Mm -hmm. So that was a real, that was my spiritual turning point. So school got out that week. And I went to this little Baptist church. I said, Man, I need to change. <laughs> there need to be a change in your boy. I went in, Pleasant Grove Baptist Church, and walked in. They said, You saved? I said, I don't even know what that means. They said, Well, you go sit on the front row. You got the mourner's bench for you. That's what they called it back then, the yeah. mourner's bench. So I'm sitting on the front row, Iva, and there, I still remember, uh, Reverend Lonnie Marsh preached the gospel. And what I heard was, God loved me. For the first time, I knew my dad loved me. I knew my mom loved me through their provision. But the words, I love you, I never heard from my parents verbally. When I heard those words that he was taking from John 3, 16, I heard the Lord speaking to me. Jeremiah, I love you. And I tell people I walked in that church a sinner and left out a saint. My life hadn't been the same since then. I met the Lord Jesus powerfully, radically that that day, that summer of 1974. And my life hadn't been the same. I was 13. And from that point on, that during that summer, God just started really crystallizing the vision of and and started including two. My mom had a drinking problem. Mm-hmm. Just a serious drinking problem. And so he said, Hey, you know, and as you I start looking at my life. My parents can't afford for me to get a college education. I want to go to college. How can I go? Hmm. Sports, football. That's how I'm going to go. And so I really focused in on that, started playing, middle school, freshman in high school, and on through. And um, one, one of the things that really drove me was I wanted to see my mother sober. I wanted to see – because she would uh, – Get intoxicated and just get violent, mm-hmm. and when the Lord saved me, my mother—he gave me a strong love for my mother. Uh, I'm just—I I, can't—I really, it drove me, it energized me, and um, th- that vision—I—it focused me. Um, growing up in the hood, I, 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 that focus was, hey man, I'm not gonna drink, I'm not gonna do drugs. I'm going to focus on this vision. And that's what I did. And uh, going to my senior year, the University of Alabama offered me a scholarship. I was 5'9. Hold on.
1: Hold on. Right before that, I want to ask you know, we're not talking about the late 80s, 90s, 2000s. We're talking about the 70s. 70s. Late 70s. Late 70s. Yes, sir. And. How did people receive your vision of wanting to go to college to play pro football? Like, <laughs> put that in there. You know, I want to know. I, I'm oh, sure that everybody goodness. was like, oh, yeah, that's going to happen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Phoenix City was full of doubters, yeah. scoffers, laughers. I got laughed at every time I shared that vision. Yeah. Every time. But this is what God did. Every time I told a friend, a buddy, or somebody within in Phoenix City that dream, and they laughed. I tell people it was like putting another log on the fire. My dream got hotter and hotter. I was not deterred at all. It didn't discourage me. I, it's the weirdest thing. I, it just—there was a fire in me. That yeah. dream was a fire in me. And it just focused me. I was eating, sleeping. I— a lot of my buddies on the weekend in high school, they had their girlfriends. They were going, you know, I'd run the hill in my neighborhood on Saturday nights, Friday nights. That's what I did. I ran the hill. I met my wife in high school, it was my going into my senior year and my reading of my buddies and said, Man, you need to. you ain't got no girlfriend. You need a girlfriend. Like, <laughs> man, I don't want no girlfriend. I got I, I got a girlfriend. It's football. It's football. Yeah. Right. That's, what, that's literally how I was. Yeah. And um and football, the love of it is what made me compete academically.
1: Because you had to you had to compete academically
0: to get on the field. If I knew I was gonna go to a college, you know, I, hey, my dreams go to Alabama. Well, I have to be able to qualify academically. So it may and I look back at that and I'm I thank God for that because School was not my favorite part of the. I just really I like I love my teach my coaches. I mm-hmm. love those. But just you could take some class, you're like, man, this is the worst thing in the world. You got a right. young man do. So what gave me the discipline was the love
1: that I had for football. Um now I heard you have to tell me, first of all, I want to know what was recruitment like for you. And what did food have to do with Coach Bryant winning you over? Well, I uh, <laughs> do. You know what I'm talking about? I heard. Well, a, I heard a little rumor that when you heard you got to eat three, three or four times <laughs> a day. <laughs> sign, <laughs> sign me up, bro.
0: <laughs> yes, sir. I'm on. First time in my life, I really, you know, three meals a day. Yeah. You know, for a lot of people, that's not how they were raised. Yeah, And uh, the quality of the food. <laughs> I went over and visited Brian Hall. I'm like, man, this is what you don't eat at? <laughs> oh, my goodness. And so for me, just that visit alone just, it, it let me know, okay, there's a better life that I can be living. I need to go back to Phoenix City and work a little bit harder so that this comes true. So on my visit to uh University of Alabama, I was 5'9, 155. And you so 5'8,
1: 155, ain't you?
0: And <laughs> Auburn, on my visit to Auburn, Coach Barfield told me I was too little. So I, I and I had that was the knock on me. Right. You're too small. But Jeff Rousey was uh The coach, linebacker coach, that was recruiting me. I believe that because of Woodrow Lowe, Billy Jackson, Ken Johnson, Eddie Adams, those are four Central High Phoenix City basketball and football players that went to Alabama and started, not be on the team. Right. All of those guys started and they were good people out of Central Phoenix City. And I believe that is what uh, Coach Bryant, that's what won him over. Man, the people we've gotten out of that school are just great people, and they come and they
1: contribute. Wow. Now, um, I'm sure at the time, you know, everybody wasn't happy with you going to Alabama either. Probably thinking you should have went to an HBCU or you know, there were a lot of nap knocks and whatnot on the program. What was your matriculation like at Alabama? What was your relationship with your teammates? What what was that experience like for you and how did it contribute to your Well, Billy Jackson was the starting fullback. Mm-hmm.
0: He had played on the 78 national championship team. Okay. I played with Billy in high school. Okay. I was a sophomore, he was a senior. We had a great run his senior year, and he was a big brother to me. Gotcha. So when I got there and um, all the initiation stuff that yeah man freshmen are walking around in fear of and it was I can't even really describe the stuff <laughs> and they did to a brother man I'm serious. Woo. I owe my life to Billy Jackson because you know he was a big strapping fullback and he and um, my name my nickname was Bone.
1: That's bone. My bone.
0: He said, hey, but none of y'all lay hands on bone.
1: That's yeah. my boy.
0: That's my little brother. And literally, that's what protected me because uh, we had some crazies
1: on that team. Right? <laughs> yeah. I'm being honest with you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I, I I, have met a lot of those gentlemen, and um, that was a different time for sure. Oh, yeah. Now, um, you've made it through the capstone and on to, well, no, I want to know, you are football, Alabama, student, co-ed, life completely different from back home. And how did you stay focused on your relationship with Christ?
0: My freshman year, I met a gentleman named Brent Nelson in the Lord Gym. Mm-hmm. That's where everybody went to play basketball. Mm-hmm. Lord Gym, go down there. This this uh, white guy down there shooting. He can't jump, you know. One of them deals. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> he's an athletic guy. We just, I'm dribbling. I'm going all around. But anyway, he stops, make conversation with me. Say, "Hey, I'm Brent Nelson. Uh, I'm, I work with uh, athletes in action. Hey, I got a Bible study. Would you like to join us?" And I actually joined that January started going and was in his uh, small group leadership for three and a half years and so we met once a week my roommate Eddie Lowe and I joined the group together and uh, he had about 10 12 guys and we were really the only brothers in the, in the in the uh, whole leadership group yeah and I've uh, this is um, I like to say this when it comes to cross-cultural ethnic Relationships. Mm-hmm. Brent well, he was from Kansas and he was like a fourth generation pastor. Okay. Real proper speaking guy. I'm from the hood. And you know, I'm like, man, what we got in common? You know, I grew up eating pigtails, hawk malls. You sitting there talking to this bro, he don't know nothing about none of that stuff. Right, man. right. Man, you missing the real good. And um, but I was drawn to the Christ in him it was the christ in him was stronger than our differences mm. that we let keep us apart and one day in just a private conversation he he says bone he says man i love you and it brought about a bond of two men one white one black that has lasted for 45, 40, how many years from 1979 to today? 44 years. And um, I just needed to hear those words. People can demonstrate love, but when you tell someone and it's back with demonstration or manifestation, woo! Yeah. Man, that's powerful. So the Christ in him, I saw, I wanted to be around that. Mm-hmm. And he made, me, he made us commit to – we made the same kind of commitment to him we would made to Coach Brian in the football program. So three and a half years later, I was a mature 22-year-old, ready to be drafted, ready to be married, and play in the NFL.
1: Well, you took my last question. <laughs> well, <laughs> you, you, you ended that perfectly because – You know, we've made it through grade school, high school, college. So when you were, when it was time to move to the NFL, you were mature. You were focused. You were ready for that next challenge instead of, man, I just made it out of college by the seat of my pants and I'm wild, buck wild and about to hit the NFL. (laughs) Makes a big difference. Um. And, but I still want to know the role that Christ played in your life. How were you able to keep Him in your life? Move into the NFL. Move into Tampa and Florida, and traveling all over the country. I mean, I I'm I'm returning to this because praise God, I returned to him. But Lord, no, during my life, there have been some times where God was the last thing on my mind. And you had far more temptation than I did. So how how does that bond stay? How how have you remained focused and centered on Christ?
0: was from the first, uh, that summer of 1974, when the Lord came into my life, Jesus, I tell people he's a, he's a real person. Mm. So I developed a relationship with Jesus as a person. And he's a game changer. When I was 13, 14, I have to go 13, 14, 15, 16, I had a, you know, there was difficulty in my home, tremendous difficulties at time. And it was his voice that kept me in a place of peace. It was his voice that gave me guidance. It was his voice that gave me assurance. It was his voice that gave me faith, and I took that onto the field. See, when you've been you've been told, man, you ain't, you don't have the measurables, you better have some help somewhere, and so I would I would take uh, Philippians four thirteen on the field. That was the I quoted that verse ten thousand times against teams we played. Because I was going to be facing a Willie Galt, uh, Anthony Hancock, uh, I can go on and name great players in the SEC at that time, and you don't have the measurables. Well, Jesus was my, not just my Lord and Savior, but He was who I, He was my strength. And when I got into college, I just nurtured that relationship. I nurtured it. For instance, spring break time in college, what everybody doing? Going to the beach. Be- in heaven. Well, we would do uh, ministry work. Yeah. I committed to, to going with Brent, and we'd do ministry work. matter of fact, my wife came to the Lord through one of those projects. 1983, she met the Lord on a, on a project and um, so I, com- I committed to him and the relationship, I tell you, joy is my word, I reckon. I found joy, peace, Love, contentment, and uh, those things you really can't buy with money. That's right. You can't buy them. So, um, And I took that into the NFL, and I saw the NFL as an opportunity. It was a place where I could minister. I really became ministry-focused in college. I'm going to minister to people. Mm -hmm. And when I got to the NFL... What I, I need to say, my first piece of money. And I need to tell you this, this: my first piece of money, first check. I was able to put my mother in rehab. Oh wow! That had been my vision, my dream, man. I man, one, when I one day, when I get some money, wow. one day as a, as a teenage boy, I would tell my mother this. I have a she'd be she'd be dead drunk. I said, Mom, one day you're gonna be sober. I see you sober, Mom. I, we we'd just be sitting in old shack of a house, and I would be casting a vision for her sobriety powerfully. I'd be so mad at her. You know, because she'd right. be dead drunk. Ain't no food being cooked. I'm and, uh, that's how that was my way of letting out my anger, I I would say, my disappointment in her. One day you're gonna be sober, lady. One day you and that's what, and so that's how we would conversate instead of me saying something that was derogatory towards my mom. Mm -hmm. So I held on to that all those years. Tampa Bay sent me my little check. I put my mom in rehab. 30 days later, she came out saved and sober. And for 34 years, she never took another drink. So from 52 to 86, my mother, Mary, never took another drink, and our children had the greatest grandmother. Our six children had the greatest grandmother in the world.
1: That's beautiful. Now, I know you're probably tired of it, but there's no way I can have Jeremiah Castile on my podcast and not have him tell a Beth Bryant story.
0: I could tell you a million <laughs> of them, but I just told one today. Okay. Uh, for all you Bama fans, you go pull up the 1980 University of Alabama versus Tennessee. Okay. You're going to see that the score is 27-0. to zero. And I like to tell people that we played on Saturday, but we won it on that Wednesday prior. <laughs> uh-huh. And Coach Bryant walks in the room. We always have big meetings, team meetings during the weekday. Coach Bryant mm-hmm. walks in the room, and uh, he start, he starts off talking to the black players. Okay. He just connects with the black. He says, all you black players in here, hey, you um, – I know what it's like to be poor. Grew up, he said. I grew up poor, and he just transitions from there to including everybody, and he gets just, just wor- He's just very emotional. How bad he want to beat Tennessee? How bad he just? He gets so emotional, Ivor. He starts crying.
1: That sounds That's true. like
0: me behind, before a Tennessee game. I yes. <laughs>
1: just crying.
0: Well, nobody's seen that with Coach Bryant
1: wow,
0: tears is running down his eyes. The atmosphere in that room was, Coach, we don't need no helmet, no gear. We go right out here in the park. Bring the team on down here. We play them right now. <laughs> we going to play tonight. <laughs> right here, right now. Right now. Right now. <laughs> That's how thick it was in the room. I we knew – that night, the game, what what comes to my mind is when Vince Carter makes that, one of them dunks in in a dunk contest, and he says, it's over. <laughs> it's over. It's <laughs> over. <laughs> the game was over. And so, if you go pull it up, 1980, we beat them 27. They don't cross the 50 the first half. If it moved and we were on defense, we hit it. We beat the brakes off of those guys. And – Coach Bryant, so when he's, he's got everybody ready to play, right, that night, right now. And he pulled a handkerchief out of his pocket. He wiped his eyes. He said, man, I could have been a pretty good actor, huh?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. And so I haven't met anybody that could motivate men. Football mean teams like Coach Bryant, and I try to mimic that every chapel that I, I, I go in there with, them. I'm wired and fired, man, and I've learned from I learned it from him. He was he 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 had a way of making you believe you were the greatest player in the world, and that's how I played. I, I was a dominating corner, and I look back, I'm like, why did I? Th-? Because Coach Bryant. told me that hey i believe in you i believe you can get the job done hi this is kristen water sullivan at water sullivan we specialize in wills trusts and estates whether you're planning for the future navigating the probate process or facing estate and trust litigation we're here to provide the personalized expert legal counsel you deserve our experienced team understands the intricacies of estate planning ensuring your loved ones are protected and your assets are managed according to your wishes Don't let the legal complexities of the trust and estate process overwhelm you. Instead, trust Water Sullivan to be your partner in securing your family's legacy. Visit our website at watersullivan.com. That's W-A-T-E-R-S-S-U-L-L-I-V-A-N.com. Or call us at 205-855-5020 to schedule a consultation today.
1: Um... Usually I ask about my guest's favorite charity at this juncture, but we're going to talk about it in a minute. So we're just going to jump into this or that questions, but just know, if you don't answer one of these questions, you have to make an additional donation to your charity. But we'll hear about it in a minute, and I think these are pretty easy. Because we're going to start off with the easiest. Alabama or Auburn? Oh, my goodness. That's just my way of getting to hear you say Roll Tide. Roll Roll Tide. (laughs) Birmingham Legion or Birmingham Stallions? Stallions. Birmingham Barons? Or Birmingham Squadron. I like the Barons. Okay. Sloss Furnace or Vulcan Park. Sloss Furnace. Birmingham Zoo or McWayne Science Center. Birmingham Zoo. Alabama State or Alabama A and M. Alabama A and M. Crossplex or Legion Field. Legion Field. Protective Stadium or Legacy Arena? Protective Stadium. Okay. Botanical Gardens or Railroad Park? Man, why are you making me pick on the- (laughs) Botanical Gardens. Regions Park or Rickwood Field? Mm. (laughs) Mmm. (laughs) Mmm. Rickwood Field. Kirk Franklin- Or Donald Lawrence. (laughs) That was new. (laughs) I got to go with my boy Kurt. You got to go with (laughs) Kurt, man. Um, Michael Jackson or Prince? Ain't even competition. Michael Jackson. That's what I'm talking about. Everybody coming with it. What's your zodiac sign? Capricorn. You're Capricorn. When is your birthday? January 15th. My birthday is <coughs> New Year's Eve, so I know all about the greatness <coughs> that lies within you, sir, as a Capricorn. <laughs> do you cook? I used to. You used to? Not just I your still th-
0: do, not much, but my What's mother. Your, made... What would be
1: your go to meal if you had to get on the get on the um fried chicken. Fried chicken. I know chicken. how to batter it, put
0: all the batter we grew up doing it. Okay. So I know how to make it. Uh, just
1: golden brown with put-right herbs in that in That, batter. that Sound Ooh. good, man. I might have to come by for it. What's your favorite NFL team?
0: All the ones Alabama players are playing on. <laughs> I'm
1: kind of the same way. It's like <laughs> change, teams change so well. I want to see what oh, the boys do. Whatever uh, you know, they do. I'm doing. pulling
0: for Philly right now. Jalen Hurts, you know, I was just – he was. I've been the chaplain there, and I, 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 man, all these guys I, I have, you know, a relationship with. Yeah. So yeah. it's too. Uh, man, I'm.
1: Yeah, I just. Uh, it, make, it makes. I, so I'm And just speaking kinda. of the boys, how are your kid, your boys doing? I mean, when we saw them come through the program, everybody had that shout of pride. Tim, yeah. Simeon, um, Simeon, and Caleb. Caleb. Right.
0: Yeah. 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 How are they doing? Tim is involved in coaching. Okay. Simeon had, he's coaching slash train. He has a, his own training facility. Okay, it's called Steel Academy. Okay, in Pelham. Okay, so he trains them from six years old all the way up to professional. Outstanding. And uh, actually, he trains me. I I I go in there. You and, look like you can play the, yeah. this weekend. He, he, he puts the he puts me through it. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's got a great facility there. And then Caleb is an actor. I thought so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, yeah. Uh, his last
1: gig was uh, NCIS Los Angeles. That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah. That's right. Um, now, I want to, I want to be sure I didn't oh, I got to ask you this one. If you could have a superpower, what would it be? Mm. I ain't thought about that. Ah. Superpower. Yeah, if you had a superpower, what would it the
0: be? Ability to, to be invisible. Yeah. You can just sit
1: and listen to com- people's conversations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, back to where it all started. Well, for this um, segment, we have coming up your night of champions, and I want I I just thank you for giving me the opportunity to get you here to talk about your foundation, talk about the Knight of Champions and the impact that you've been able to make through your foundation. Iva, I like to start out saying, you know,
0: uh, again, my mother and Coach Brian is the reason that I am I give back. I mean, I can hear Coach Brian right now walking in the meeting. Man, two kind of people in the world, givers and takers. Make sure you're a giver. I heard that over and over. Then being reared by my mother, she'd make a meal. You would have to take across the, you know, the road somewhere, and she would. We'd have we we helped people. She had a heart for people, always giving in the community,
1: fixing meals, and we having to take them. Now, I want I, let me real quick. I just, you know, in a house that, you know. That was not as functional as you would have liked, and you were happy to go to a school where you could eat three times a day, you were still taught to give. Yes. Those, you know, I look back, my mother's
0: alcoholism masked or it took away from all of the great, she had great gifts. That should be operating in the church today or operating in our community. Mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. It, it betters people's lives. And so when she became sober, boom. Boy, all the covers came off of that. Right. And and we were, I was able to see it tremendously. And I'm like, man, what my mom would have done in life if she hadn't had an yeah, alcoholic. Even problem. in
1: that brokenness, God was still, still there. Still, He
0: was still there. He was still powerfully, there. Powerfully. And uh, whew,
1: And His and mercy
0: is know. from everlasting to oh, everlasting. Oh God! We didn't have this cryptic did
1: We,
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm just, a, I'm passionate about the love that uh, God gave me for my mother, uh, for Coach Bryant. My mom taught me to be thankful. Mm. That's why we're doing this celebration of champions. I, my mom would be, if she was with me, if I, I wasn't trying to do something to say thank you to Coach Bryant. We want to recognize him that night. I want to say thank you, along with all this, this 1973, the first integrated team to win a national championship at the University of Alabama. And that team, Woodrow Lowe was on that team. That He's one of my, I would say, idol. I grew up watching him. And and seeing the vision of, hey, I'm going to Alabama one day. That's where it started with where it started. him only Coach Bryant show. And um, so my mother taught me to say thank you for the little things. Boy, you, sh- you be out somewhere and somebody did something small for you, you didn't. Man, she hit you upside the head. I mean, that's how serious she was about it. So that's what's in me. And this is the 50th year for that team. How do I not say thank you to the University of Alabama? Won the first integrated national championship, so that is uh, what. Why we want our foundation is uh, we're putting we've put the work in for about almost two years now to make this happen.
1: If there was no. University of Alabama, if there was no Coach Bryant, if there was no pursuit of the NFL, I dare to say you would have landed right. I would not. You still would have landed right. Why not? Tell me why not.
0: I would have been – Coach Bryant changed – I ain't going to say changed. He took my thought process to a championship level. Mm. When I played, my thought process was I dominate the opponent. And that came through preparation and – I was talking to Coach Cutcliffe, David Cutcliffe, coach mm-hmm. at old Miss. He works for the SEC. We started, I was in the office about two weeks ago. He, so I walk in. He says, number 19. Man, I see. He says, man, I see you right now. On this, I'm on the sideline. I'm coaching against you. He says, and I ain't blowing no BS at you, Jeremiah. He says, uh, I'm trying to figure out a play I could run that was your weakness. He said, uh, I didn't have one. He says, "I'm not." He says, "You dominated the position, and that came from Coach Bryant. I would have been a mediocre thinking fella at the age I am today, and and so I wouldn't. My thought when I I started as a rookie in the NFL, Coach Bryant took a work ethic and a thought process, and he raised it to where." Because of the preparation we did, hey, there's nobody I can't whip. There's nobody I can't be victorious over, and that is my that was that is the thought process. That uh, you know, I, I played in the '88 in a uh, AFC Championship game. Make the fumble in that game. Well, I don't go in that game until the fourth quarter. It's in January in Denver. It's capital C, capital O, capital A, capital D. You've been sitting the bench for four quarters? Yeah. And they say, hey, you're in the game. Coach looks over at you. Your bones are cold. Co- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you go in a game and you make a play on the two-yard line that wins the game? Well, that, it didn't happen that day. It, it started at the University of Alabama with, hey, when I'm in the game, something happens. Mm. I make something happen. That is the thought process. That is the way we, prepa- I pre- we were taught to prepare at Alabama. And to me, that's just championship-level thinking. And, and uh, I'm grateful for that because it allowed me to have a job for six years in the NFL. You know, guys my size. If you're not number one, you out the door
1: right right um where I was going with it was you would have landed right because of your relationship with Christ. that was the direction I was going in, and what i want i what I would love for you to leave us with is uh a message, a a life story, or a parable, or just motivation for our young people, for our fathers, for our young fathers who are trying to motivate a young Jeremiah. You know, we are in a heck of a predicament in our city and state of our country. And you, sir, are one of the most inspirational people I know. So in addition to not letting you get away from here without telling us a Coach Bear Bryant story, I can't let you get away from here without leaving us with a word. I've, uh, in, our, in our
0: foundation, within our uh, charity, we, our tagline is invest, influence, impact, and inspire the next generation. Those four things I wrote in, a, in an article in a blog in 2012. Uh, I had a former uh, teammate, University of Alabama, say, hey, this is going to be Coach Bryant's 100th birthday. Uh, write an article on him. Hmm. And so I sat and I gathered my thoughts and I, I came up with four words. Those four words in our tagline is what Coach Paul Bryant did for me. He invested, and those words are in order. When we invest, then we n- have a natural influence. We've been put on the earth to influence. And uh, we were taught, Coach Bryant did that for us, but for me it was on the field. I'm going to influence this game. If I'm in the game, I influence the game. If I'm in the game, I'm going to impact the game. I'm going to be an impact player. That's the third one. So God has placed us here to impact people. I'm a different, and that's what I was kind of saying earlier, I'm a different person because Paul W. Bryant, he impacted my life. And last but not least, as I told that story about beating Tennessee 27, I, I played. In, we played inspired. Uh, and I believe that uh, there's three things in that, energy, effort, and enthusiasm. Give that to the next generation. I think they need to see that from us middle-aged and older black men, men, period, is that I still have energy, effort, and enthusiasm for whatever the assignment is God has given me in my life. And for me today, part of that is being a grandfather.
1: What's it like being a grandfather? Tell me, because you, every time you even think about those grandbabies, your face just lights up. Well,
0: it's when you see your grandchildren, that's a prayer answered. Because if you raise them children, you know you have to put some knots on them heads somewhere. <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying? It's hard being a parent. Yeah. It's hard. And that's why you need to have energy, effort, and enthusiasm. And so when you see that they, you helped them get through those rough times in life, and now they've brought life into the world, you're like, hallelujah, man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Something paid off. God, thank you for, for answering my prayer. I thought I was going to have to kill that boy one day. <laughs> I want to thank a true legend for joining us. I want to thank you all for listening. And as always, a huge shout out to Creed63 and UrbanHam.com. God bless. Hey, I'm Charles Barkley. Call for Redmont and water at bars and restaurants throughout the great state of Alabama. Redmont Vodka. Available at select ABC stores and package stores, Redmond Vodka is eight times distilled, gluten-free, and is made from non-GMO corn. Looking to support a local business, Redmont Distilling is Alabama proud and minority-owned. Learn more online at RedmontDistilling.com.